Welcome to In The Moment Live. I am Janine Rotter. I've spent the past decade educating clients through my one-on-one personal coaching programs and online nutrition courses. My work has been published in health and fitness articles, Oxygen Magazine, and many Arizona-based media outlets. Today, I am empowering women to live their best lives in the moment. Each week, you will find me here with an exciting new guest or solo where no topic is off limits, bringing unique life experiences to the table live and in the moment. Meet with me every week for in-depth hot topic sessions where no topic is too taboo. In the moment live, we talk about health and wellness, sexuality, intimacy, and spirituality, and how they all connect together for the most powerful and meaningful life. I encourage you to join us during our live sessions and to submit your topic ideas for a chance at it being the main topic in the moment, plus the opportunity for you to be coached by me live one-on-one. This is In The Moment. Welcome to In The Moment. If you are here live or listening to us on the replay, welcome. I'm here today with a great friend who was introduced to me a couple of years ago because I was told that I had to meet her and that I was going to love her, that she was my mini me and they were right. We hit it off right away and I absolutely adore her. I'm super excited for this session. Uh, Session 10, it's hard to believe it's been a couple of months in the moment has been live with you. Wonderful women. Um, Today, we are definitely bringing the heat and we are bringing a taboo topic. Again, if you are joining us live, please remember vulnerable women empower women. And the story you are about to hear is a very private and personal one that my guest has never before spoken about publicly. Uh, We are powerful women empowering and accepting women in this moment of their life journey and being open-minded and willing to let go of any judgmental thoughts that you may have in regards to this topic. I would like everyone that's live with me today to take a minute to pause and let go of any thoughts or preconceptions of what you may have thought that this session would be about. Welcome, my beautiful friend. Are you ready to tell your story about the porn industry? Yes, I am. I am so excited. I know when I started in the moment, you were definitely uh, forefront on my mind and um, so excited that you said yes. I love talking about sex and uh, this has always been something that I've dreamed about is a funny story as I you know, I've shared with my kids when they're like, why are why are you talking about this? Why are you always talking about sex? And I said, well, you know, I've was raised young, probably in middle school. And we had the AM FM radio by my bed. And I would always listen to music before I went to bed and Dr. Ruth Westheimer would come on. And I loved that. I loved that one is I learned so much about sexual experiences and how to please men and how to please women. And um, I loved her raw, you know, Everybody was so vulnerable, but the aspect I really loved is how people were able to call in and ask questions. So that's why we are here live today to hopefully get some questions um, live. But I want you to know that 
I have had so many emails for you with questions, definitely uh, flooded, floodgates opened, because I do know that this is a taboo topic and um, women are embarrassed to ask questions, right? It's a very personal topic and um, one that is intriguing to us, right? If you don't watch porn or if you do watch porn, we have a lot of questions and I I have some questions. I tapped our um, circle of male friends as well. And I even got some male perspective questions. So um, yeah, I'm excited, excited to have you here. And basically, let's just start with, you know, why did you get into porn? How old were you? And all the basic questions of the how, when, and whys. Um, yeah, so I'll pretty much take you through the very beginning. Um, you know, when I first started, I actually used to be a preschool teacher. Um, I loved what I did. Um, I like having a job where I get to be outgoing. Um, I get to be creative. And the thing is, though, being a preschool teacher doesn't pay the bills. And as um, a college student that was completely out on my own, you know, I didn't have any financial backing from family, parents, um, friend, like no one. Um, it was just me solely on myself. Um, I actually moved out, um, of my family home the night of my 18th birthday. Um, and I was still in high school. I had an apartment across the street from my school. My work was a block away and I literally went to school full-time, worked full-time, finished out high school, graduated with honors. And then I went on to college. Um, so with that being said, you know, I was trying to find more outlets to make money, how I could do more things to express myself and my boyfriend at the time, you know, we were both definitely uh, sexually active. And at the time, you know, I was 18. I wanted to experiment. I felt like I came from such a, a hardcore, you know, sex is bad. Don't do this. Don't do that type of family. It was so strict that I didn't know anything. and you know, by the time I was out on my own, I felt like I, I could do anything and I wanted to experience everything. Um, so, you know, we could barely pay our bills. Um, we were scraping by, I remember having ramen for dinner every single night. Um, and it just kind of got thrown out there as a joke. We had watched a porn video and I was like, you know, I was like, I feel like I could do that. And he's like, you absolutely could do that. And then we kind of stopped and we're like, you know, is this something we should, we should look into doing? Um, at the time, you know, I didn't know anything about shooting. I didn't know that how regulated it is. Um, the things you have to do to get in it, like just different stuff. Um, so it kind of started as a joke and then it started becoming more serious. And as we started kind of falling into more of a, a negative, um, financial situation, um, we just kind of decided to make the jump of like, you know what, we're going to try to do this together. And I thought at the time that, you know, everyone thinks, oh, if I go into porn and I only want to work with my boyfriend or husband, 100%, we're going to get work. Well, that's not true. Um, you will get some work, but not enough to make it a career. So what I ended up doing, um, I went online and, you know, we tried to find stuff for us to do it together and no one would take us. Um, unfortunately, uh, and when it comes to getting in the porn industry, it is true. It is true that you have to be more well endowed. Otherwise, you know, unless you're willing to do more of the fetish side, which he was not. Um, whereas a female, all you have to do is just at least look cute. 
Um, so I decided, okay, I'll start off with solos. So I went out, um, and I went on sexyjobs.com and I made a profile within 30 days. I became the number one model on their website. I had so, so, so many offers on the table. Um, and I was, and I thought to myself, okay, you know, I'm being offered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shoots, but I don't know who's who it's hard to tell if this is a legitimate person or if I'm going to end up like one of those scary stories you hear. So I decided to look for an agent. Um, upon doing so, um, I ended up with OC modeling out of California. Um, and I had a female agent named Sandra and Sandra was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, she, she was really great to me. Um, she helped me get work and she also made sure that I was in protected situations. Now there are sometimes um, certain scenes I would say can kind of slip through the cracks where someone can come off as legit and they're really not, which did happen once, but thankfully I didn't have that scary story. I was just more so uncomfortable. Um, once I got in, um, my sexy jobs account continued to grow and grow and grow. And it ended up being, I was the number one model most viewed. It never changed. And they said the longest anyone has held that spot was two weeks. I ended up holding it for a total of two and a half years. Um, so I became the spokesmodel for Sexy Jobs. So I went to all the different trade shows and conventions and worked their booths. Um, that's can I, how can I, I interject really quick? Yep. I know you said that you were out of college, but what age What age are we at right now? So you, you're at two years in, but what age did you start? Um, so I actually started at 19. Okay. Um, my first scene um, for Net Video Girls. And then, um, after that is when I, I took a break cause I wasn't sure if this was something I wanted to do. And then once I started getting all these offers is when I did make the jump into full blown mainstream porn. Okay. So now, now you're going to conventions and stuff and you're 21, uh, 20. Okay. 20. Yep. So I shot, um, from the age of 20 to 22, I was almost 23. It was right before my birthday when I quit. Okay. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think where I left off. Um, I'm sorry. You were saying that you were headed. I know you were headed into, you were, you were rolling. You were the hottest one. You were on your way to conventions. Yeah. So I was doing, um, different shoots like that. I was having a lot of offers and my agent at the time while I was doing that, um, was booking me work with mainstream companies. So, you know, like Team Ski, New Sensations, New Biles, different stuff like that. I was traveling a lot. So I ended up completely quitting my job of teaching preschool because I, I could not do both. And ethically, I knew at some point they were going to fire me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, We got a preschool teacher in porn, guys. This isn't going to work. Well, yeah, I don't know. It, Nowadays, it might. You never know. I knew at some point it was coming and and I was so busy. I was like, you know what? I should just, I should just go. Um, so I did that. So basically for two and a half years, I spent two weeks out of the month in either California, Florida, or Vegas, because those are the three porn hubs of the US. Um, and I you know, I worked straight through. Um, I, on average, I would do four scenes in a row and then I would take a day off because my body needed to rest. And I do another four scenes, take a day off. So some girls can shoot straight through. Unfortunately, I just can't. So where's boyfriend at the time? Did he, was he still hanging in there? 
Uh, he was. So he was very upset that, you know, he couldn't get in himself, um, but he still wanted me to pursue it. And things were great while we were doing, um, while I was doing solos and girl, girl scenes. But once I started doing boy, girl scenes is where I could start to kind of see a shift in him. Um, where, you know, I was very upfront with him. I would always show him my scripts ahead of time because we get to see what we're doing before we get there. Um, and we also get to approve it. So I would say, Hey, are you comfortable with me working with this male talent? Are you comfortable with this type of sex or this type of dialogue? And, you know, he'd read through it and he, he would always give me the green light. But unfortunately, towards the end of our relationship, I realized that he was not being honest with me um, about how he was feeling. And so we did end up breaking up about, um, you know, two years into my, my whole ordeal. Um, and it was definitely for the best. And I think that, you know, for me, I was at a point in my career where, you know, I was excelling, I was growing, um, I was being offered lots of lucrative deals and things like that. And for him, um, it wasn't so much more of, you know, he felt like he was being cheated on or he was being slighted. He actually developed more of a, a jealous kind of standpoint where he started making comments of, well, I don't understand why you could go do these things, but they wouldn't want me. So that's when I realized, okay, like this is obviously um, not so much a me issue. It's more of a you issue. And so okay. once we split, I stayed single for the remainder of those six months because I just didn't want to have to try to explain to someone, this is my current job. I know. I, I know I, we were talking about that and I'm like, you know, being a personal trainer is hard enough, right? Because you're training opposite sex and you, you know, you're always coming in home talking about that. And, you know, in our family, that's been huge, you know, with Christian and I, and even Karina dabbling in fitness training and stuff. And it's, it takes a special person, you know, a very non-jealous person to be able to withstand that kind of relationship. But being in the porn industry is a whole nother level of of not only just commitment, right? But it's, it takes a, it would be extremely hard to see the scripts, know what's coming up. And because I'm sure the more you said no to scripts, right? They, you stopped, you would probably get less job offers. If I'm assuming that's what I would think if you say, you know, but, or if you're less apt to do um, what they would like to require of you, but it takes a very special person to um, stay in a relationship with someone in this industry, I would assume. And that's, that's a lot of the questions that came in for you is a lot about the relationships. I'll talk about that a little later. Cause I know it's um, you've been in this now for how many years? I total, I have been in the porn industry for about 12 years. Okay. And so several boyfriends have come and gone. Oh, absolutely. And um, the first one, uh, we'll just call him A. He is the one that, you know, I was with while I was in porn. He's actually the only person who had an issue with, you know, more of a jealousy thing. And then um, later on, we'll discuss boyfriend B, who had more of an issue with my past. Um, okay. Whereas else I've dated and, you know, I, I get married in 30 days and I don't have any issue with absolutely anything I've done. Wow. Yeah. So backing up 
a few years, right? So at 19, you started. When was the first time you ever watched or saw porn? Um, so I would say, I mean, this is probably it's gonna sound crazy. Um, my my mom and her current husband, when I was like six, they six or seven, this is back when VH tapes were going. Um they I'm assuming had a, a healthy sex life. Um, only if now as an adult, I can tell you, I'm sure that, you know, when my stepdad would watch porn, he would hide it. He would hide those videos back in the day. You know, you could have just jump on the internet on your phone and delete your history. You got to buy it. So mm-hmm. I went on a Dr. Seuss movie, uh, to watch with my brother. And I popped this cassette in. And next thing I know, it was three girls on a railing going at it. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> Um, my mom walked in, freaked out and asked me what I was watching. And I held up this little case that said, Dr. Seuss. I said, I'm watching Dr. Seuss. And I never heard about it ever again. Um, I'm sure dad got his ass ripped. Yes, I am sure. Uh, what I would do to be a fly on the wall for that. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's a memory that I I've had since then. So I don't know if that's something that, you know, either maybe caused a little bit of confusion when I was a child or, um, you know, piqued some sort of interest later on, because it is a core memory that I have, which I've just always held on to. Um, when I was in high school though, um, because I was always told that, you know, sex is horrible. Like it's bad. And if you do this, like you're a bad person and you're in so much trouble, you're, you're a letdown. I was, I was terrified of sex and anything like that. And I remember sitting there and I was trying to figure out, you know, why do I find one of my female friends attractive, but outside of like, Oh, I have cute friends way in a, of like, I'm, I'm attracted to you. And so um, I was really struggling with that and I didn't have anyone to talk about. And I remember having this like inner dilemma with myself of like, okay, you know, I do have a phone. I could, I could look it up and I could see what girls do together, you know? And, um, I mean, it took me probably a good two weeks to get the courage to do it. And I watched it real quick. I didn't do anything. I just watched it. And then I immediately closed out of it, tried to delete all of my history. Um, it was just, okay. Now I know like, you know what they do. And, uh, and when I watched that, I was like, you know what, this reminds me of that video I saw when I was a child. And then, um, you know, as I started growing older at that point, I was 16. Um, about six months later is when I finally went all in and I lost my virginity and I was so scared. Um, but I think that once I actually did it, because this was such a taboo thing in my family and it was such a wrong thing that I was like, there was nothing wrong with what I did. And it kind of changed the way that I started thinking of, you know, sex isn't this horrible thing. It's actually really fun. And I feel like I made this new type of connection with my high school sweetheart that I I didn't have before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, it, you know, it was different, but I would say that's kind of where the sexual interest started. And then I had to keep my interests a big secret because it was such a negative in my family. And I think that that's also kind of what promoted me to like dive into this lifestyle because these were people who would have set me. Right. What did the mom and dad or what did mom and stepdad say when they realized that now you're acting in porn? So they actually didn't find out until about six months into my career. 
Um, my poor little brother, uh, was scrolling on Twitter and saw a post and the face of that post was his big sister and he lost his mind. So he went and told my mom. Now my mom, she's not the crazy, uh, family member. So I grew up with my grandparents. They're the ones that, you know, porn was horrible things like that. Uh, but my mom, on the other hand, my mom is a wild child at heart. Um, she, she's done a lot of different things and, you know, I could always come to her with certain stuff and just say, Hey, you know, like, like when I did lose my virginity, I, I had no idea cause no one told me anything. I went to her and I said, so does this mean I'm pregnant? And she just laughed and said, absolutely. Not. <laughs> um, I thought that if you just had sex immediately, you're pregnant. Um, but so when she found out, you know, she, she asked me a lot of questions. What are you doing? Are you safe? How, how is this tested? Like, who knows where you're, you're going? And I was like, well, this is my stuff and this is my agent's information. So my mom called my agent. Um, they actually had a great relationship. And anytime I would do a scene, they would CC my mom in on the email and she would know exactly where I was at because my mom isn't the type of person to tell you what to do. She knew that me and who I'm as a person, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. So either she can jump on and support me and at least know that I'm safe and be a part of it, or she, she'd be iced out and she wouldn't have anything. So my mom decided that, you know, I'm going to support you and we're going to make sure you're safe. And then sometimes, you know, she would even look at my scenes and be like, hey, I noticed that this is a wardrobe they want you to bring. This dress that you have would be cute. So my mom became very supportive. Um... And then my dad, uh, when my biological dad found out, it wasn't until about six years after I had, I had stopped shooting. And um, it's because someone on Instagram had actually sent him um, a link to one of my videos, which is something that, you know, you'll deal with trolls for the rest of your life. And my dad called me and he asked me about it. And I immediately was like, yeah, I did that because he thought that there is somehow this fake video must be out there. And I was like, no, nope, that is me. I sure did that. And I, I can tell you the names of all these people. Uh -huh. And uh, he goes, okay. He goes, can I have a minute to process this? And I go, absolutely. So he called me back a couple hours later. And all he said was, you know, everything you do, you do it because you have a reason and a purpose behind it. He's like, if this is something you felt like you had to do, then I may not understand why you chose this route, but I know you had your own reasons. I love you. You're still my daughter and I support you. Wow. Nice. And that was it. And oh, okay. then he asked, are you still doing this? And I said, nope. I was like, that was six years ago. And he goes, great. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. So what's your, what's your favorite part of the industry? Um, Honestly, I would say it's the other models. These people are so unique. They're unlike anyone else you'll meet anywhere else in your life. Um, not only because you guys are intimate together, are you able to develop a closer relationship with this friend, but everyone in porn is, you have to be such an open person to do that because, you know, you're, you're literally bearing everything out on camera. Um, and these people, they're so open. It's so accepting. You could be the weirdest, craziest person at your school, but they love you for that. And they find interest in what makes you a different person. And that was my favorite part was just meeting new people and being excited because like it, it honestly was a ton of fun on set. And plus dealing with like, um, you know, even some of like the 
the girls that I would say are a little more like uppity or more princess like, they're so funny and they, they just say things. And because, you know, we don't have that filter anymore because I'm already naked in front of you. Like, what else do you want to hide from me? If that makes sense. Oh, no. Yeah, it makes total sense. You're already so vulnerable. So it's you're an open book at that point, right? Oh, absolutely. And I would say that's actually carried on into my personal life. And even to this day, um, all of my friends, you know, I just had a bridal shower, they did a thing where I was like, open up gifts. Um, everyone says something that they a funny story about me or something they appreciate about me. And every single person, it actually made me cry. Um, said that they feel like they can be their authentic selves around me, no matter how dark they think it might be, um, how dumb, you know, they're trying to perceive themselves as dumb and that I help them feel welcome and accepted and that it's okay to be you and who you are. And you don't owe anyone any explanation for any decision you make, because as a person, I love you and I accept you. Mm -hmm. And so, that meant a lot to me that, you know, these are things that people were saying that they felt and it was a common theme around the room. And I was like, you know what, I will say that from porn, I was able to build my own community of people that full loved. Wow. And, you know, and you're so right, because that's what, you know, in the moment was created to empower women. And it's, you know, when I said that this, you know, right out of the gate, it's, who are we to judge what people do with their life, right? We're all given the one life. We all get to lead it the way we choose to. And who are we to judge people? Because it doesn't make you less of a person. You know, there one is, I, I, I know I watched that documentary. Um, uh, gosh, what is it called? Um, Money Shot, right? And I, it was about, Women, especially like with COVID shutting down, right? People, so many people lost their jobs and they weren't able to live off of what the government was sending them. If anything, a lot of people didn't get that, but you know, these women are paying the bills and they're doing so by a profession that they're choosing to do. And who are we to judge people? Right. And I think the people that do judge are hypocrites. Um, I do believe that a lot of people, uh, probably the people that are the loudest are the people that are probably the ones that are probably hopping on Pornhub and deleting their history. And, um, you know, I just find it interesting how I love how the women that you've surrounded yourself by are supportive and I know that we've talked before, and that's a question that I have for you is you've said it's been so hard to get friends being a part of this industry, women friends. So let's okay. talk on that. Yeah. So the tribe that I've created for myself, I love, and it's taken 10 years to build this beautiful group of friends that I have, but I've been rejected a lot coming up to this. Um, not so much by men, mainly by women. Um, a lot of times they think that, you know, when we get in the industry, it's because we're sex hungry and we, you know, we're doing this because we're not satisfied in our own relationships or we need more. And by more, that means we want your man. That is mm -hmm. not true. If anything, um, you know, as a friend, I can, what I know very well is sexual interest and the law of attraction. 
So I can actually help you better your relationship. I can also help you understand the needs that your husband has based off jokes he makes, because I've been in this industry for so long. I know my stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is trust. And also too, it's, they worry that their boyfriends, fiancés, husbands are now looking at me in a way of like, oh, she's a sexual being. I want to, you know, get with her. So I'm going to go watch her videos. And you can tell that's a legitimate fear. I've also met girls that are like, you know, don't talk about you doing porn or anything like that. Like, don't even say anything when he's around. And for me, you know, one, I don't know why I would even talk about porn with with you being there. Like, I'm very open with it, but you have to ask me about it if you want me to tell you. I'm not just going to jump out and be like, did you know that I did, you know, X, Y, and Z? Right. So, you know, there's a lot of rules that come into it with women who don't trust you. Um, And then at a certain point, you know, they fade away, they disappear, or, you know, they call you names and whatever. Um, That's a very common theme. Um, You know, even for like my guy friends that I'm very close with, when they get a new girlfriend, as soon as they find out about me immediately, I'm on the radar as a threat. And the thing is, I'm not a threat. Uh, I'm actually here to help you where, you know, this is my friend that you're now dating. If he was to do something sideways that is negative towards you, I'm the one that's going to call him out, not his guy friends. So that's Mm kind of where it, it gets really hard, mainly not even so much dating, but just trying to maintain these core friendships with women who maybe aren't as confident in themselves, their relationships, or, you know, the man that they chose. Yeah. It's, it screams insecurity, right? I mean, it's hard enough to get just really genuine girlfriends anyway. And, but at that level, if they're not secure with themselves and like you said with their man and their relationship that yeah that's just a whole nother level of their insecurities and something that they and and it's okay because like you said you've found your tribe you've found your circle and like my daughter and I always say when you start getting too many friends it it becomes um it's uh it's work, right? I mean, it's 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 hard to have so many friendships. You're lucky if you have a core handful of friends. And but it's it's interesting how you said that with the male friends, I think I could be wrong, but I could just foresee these guys are like, do they just peg you with a bunch of questions like, you know, how to please women? And do you find that your male friends are more intrigued on asking you questions? Oh, yes. So I get asked up all the time. Any type of sexual question that anyone who knows that did porn has, they call me. Um, How do I do this? How do I do that? I feel like my girlfriend isn't really pleased by this. What's something I could try instead? Um, You know, sexting. Sexting is is actually more difficult than you think to hold a, a really solid, like, steamy type of sensual conversation. I get screenshots of people's conversations and I just respond with, what do you not want to do? So then I can make sure that, you know, as I'm sending them these responses to go back, you know, I'm not getting them into something where, you know, basically I don't want to sign them up for something they don't want to do later on. Oh yeah. It's, it's honestly, I mean, you would be shocked. I mean, even down to eight, I have people in their sixties asking me questions, um, friends, coworkers, stuff like that. Everybody. Um, 
the only one who doesn't ask me is my fiance. <laughs> Uh, he knows what I like. Uh, I'm very verbal and expressive of if I like this or if I don't. And he runs with it. Um, whereas I think when it comes to sex, a lot of the times that people do have these questions is because they're not as comfortable being open with their partner about sex because it is so taboo and it's a very sensitive topic. Yep. Um, but I mean, I think it's funny because people will call me and it's almost like they try to whisper in the phone, you know, like they're nervous. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, if this is something you like, why are, why are you shying away from it? Like say it loud, say it proud. It's okay. Right. Well, that, and that brings me to my next question. Was there, so you said you got the scripts, right? They were giving you scripts. Yep. You could approve them, disapprove them. Did, did you ever get onto set and you know, you're going for it and then they say, Oh, Hey, by the way, we want you to do this. Was that, did they um, ever try to pull a fast one? So it's not so much a fast one. So legally you have to get approval before you actually do the act. Um, okay. So before we do anything, um, basically there is a set of questions there. It's like 120 questions long. They fill me while you answer it just to protect their end. You know that, yes, I agree to do this. And it goes down very, very in depth of like, are you okay with spitting, spitting in the eye, spitting on the breast, spitting on the vagina, spitting on the butthole, like, I mean, when I say it's in depth, like they ask every little question about it for every piece. Um, now let's say you're on scene, you know, you, you do the dialogue part, um, or, or sorry, I should say photos. Cause first thing you do is photos. Um, we stage the sex, you make it look like things. They're not taking pictures while you're actually having sex because they would be blurry, sweaty, messy, and not very cute to look at. Um, so you stage them. So once that's done, um, basically what you do in the photos kind of generally leads up to what the sex is going to look like. Um, because you've already implied everything you get through the acting part and you start going sometimes during sex, they'll want to do a different position. So what they do is you usually have like a sound or th if the director is fine, he'll just yell cut. And then you, you know, some models, they stay having sex. They just keep going because keep in mind for the male, he needs to stay hard this entire time. So even though it's not your responsibility to keep him hard and they don't expect you to, it's just kind of like a common courtesy and, you know, cause you're working together and you need that type of togetherness to make things work and look cohesive, but they'll ask you and they'll say, Hey, are you comfortable doing this? Um, and you can say yes or no. If you say no, they don't do it. If you say yes, then great. You can move into it. Um, now depending on the ending. So obviously there's what we call it as a pop shot. Um, in the industry. So that's when the male comes. So usually it's, you know, on a part of your body, but then when they come inside you, it's called a cream pie. Now you are not allowed to cream pie inside of anybody for any reason, unless you have approval. So if they're like, Hey, the scene's going really good. We really think this is the kind of ending we want. Are you comfortable doing a cream pie? And if you are, you say yes. And they let your agent know because they pay you more for that ending because every little additive you put on, you get paid more for it. Yeah, people so, want to see that. Yeah, they want to see the real stuff. Yes. Um, but also, too, though, you can get paid extra because we do do fake pop shots, too. So if you haven't noticed, sometimes in scenes, if you're seeing, you know, ejaculation comes out, there's come on her belly. Notice how some of it looks a little cloudy and some looks a little more clear. Generally, it's actually Cetaphil, which is the soap. And so we'll squeeze that on. And that's how we make it look like there's more come than there really is. Because let's be honest. Every penis is not cranking out just wads. You know, um, 
Uh, well, and isn't that true with the girls squirting too, that they are um, filling the vaginal, the vagina with water to make it look like they're squirting more? Um, so there are certain devices you can use to make it look like it. Um, but generally, no, most of the girls that do squirting legitimately squirt because in order to pull off a fake squirting video, it's pretty hard. Okay. Um, and a lot of like, I like to call them like Reddit and ears. Um, they will dissect the hell out of a scene and they know exactly what you made up. Um, they're very good at it. Reddit is definitely the place to go if you want to understand how things break down. Um, but for the most part though, I would say my experience when someone squirts, uh, generally like if, if they claim I can squirt and they go to squirting scene, it's because they, they can definitely do it. Okay. That's an, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I was reading, uh, one of the girls that was being interviewed. Um, that was what she said in her interview. So I was kind of running with that. So it's interesting, like you said, right. They have these people that are, yeah, looking in detail and calling people out. So what was your hell? No, I am not. That is not going to happen. I'm not doing it. Anal. (laughs) Okay. Um, so for me, um, when I started, you know, I, because I fell in the teen category, which is generally the age of 18 to 25. So when they say teen, it's not because they're teenagers. It's, it's just a style of look. Um, so that's what I originally started in. And then I moved over to, uh, interracial because I am very pale and I love black men. And, you know, I, that started becoming my main source of income as I was always shooting. I mean, Every two out of three scenes was an IR scene. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, so when it comes to males being in the industry, the average male that's white starts off at seven inches, whereas for most um, African-American men, it's about nine. It's a lot bigger. And these were obviously, you know, penises that I have never in my personal life come across something so big. So when they would ask me, you know, if I'd be willing to do an anal scene, I would look at that. I'm like, that thing is terrifying. Like, I am not putting that in my butt. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that was always my no. Um, I was offered $15,000 by um, one particular company to do a anal scene because as long as I would agree that it would be my only one because it was towards the end when I let them know that I was going to be leaving the industry. And I said no, because it was just it was too frightening for me. Yeah. Wow. So have, has a scene ever gotten out of control? Um, for me personally, no. Now, when those things happen, it's when you're more on the kink side. Um, I, I don't really do much kink. Um, I dabbled in it a little bit. Um, I did one where I was basically captured by aliens and I was holding on to a pole and with these glass things holding my legs apart with a, a fuck machine going. And I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. I don't think this is my thing. So that is where my kink side ended because I just wasn't a big fan. Um, But that is where you see a lot of these, you know, raunchy kind of scary videos is what I would call them that people are like, this is what porn is. No, that's what this particular kink in porn is. So there's ones where... um, it's, It's definitely there's a lot of aggression towards women. That is, unfortunately a common fetish out there. Um, there's also one called facial abuse. There's, um, you know, 
not all binding is bad, but there is certain kinds where it's, it's more of the extreme where it's the, the tortured look type of thing, even though that, you know, these women are suspended in the air from things or, you know, they're doing painful things. It's all within their control though. When they say stop, it should stop. But some of those videos, they look really extreme because that's the point of it. But that model agreed to do this and she's calling the shots as it goes. Now that's not for, I'm not going to say that's hundred percent for everyone because obviously there are going to be people or companies or directors that get in that aren't good people. That's common. Kind of like how, you know, not all teachers are good people. Some of them turn out to be pedophiles. Um, there's always going to be those bad people, no matter what you get into, um, what type of job you have. So for those, I would say they're more so the unregulated sites though. So they're like, they're not mainstream. They're just some of these smaller companies. Um, I would that never don't last for- long, right? I'm sure these guys yeah. aren't, I, these men and women that are directing this aren't staying in the industry long. I uh, sometimes, um, oh, really? sometimes agree to, you know, to do these things. And these, these are not nice men. They're not nice women. And they, they want to do it because some women, you know, in order to shoot mainstream, you do have to have a a type of look or or a a well put together package, I should say that's sellable. Well, unfortunately, you know, just being honest, there are people who don't have the look to make it in, but sometimes they're desperate enough where they need the money that they will do these sites that will take them but they're not good, good sites to shoot for because it's, you know, it, it can be some degrading stuff. Now, some of them love that. And if you're into that hundred percent, I support you. I think that's great. But, you know, for, I would say on average, most of us wouldn't want to go someplace where, you know, in the scene, it says we're going to get hit in the face or smothered with a pillow or choked. And, you know, someone's going to shove their dick down your throat till you throw up. Like if I read that on the scene, I would immediately say, hell no. And I would blacklist the, that particular shooting company from my no list. So I would never, ever work for them. Right. Um, so and also though on personal preference, because some people, some people do like that. Some women are into it. Right. Yeah. Like you said, there's, there's, it takes, there's all kinds of people out there that like it, right. They do it. They get, now they're getting paid for it. So, or like you said, they're not getting the, the better of the, you know, the cream of the crop pick. So they're choosing to do that to make money. But so let's talk about size. You talked about males, you know, size seven to nine inches. I'm sure again, there's probably some fetishes. I'm not sure, but is it, are the men required to hit a certain size? Um, generally, yes. So sometimes guys that are, you know, they look like these great gods, they can get it and they'll get work because if you can last long and you can hold it together and come on command, you got it made. But, um, generally speaking though, if they do have like a smaller penis, um, or not, I'm not gonna say small, like if they have an average size penis, uh, they're going to have a little bit of a harder time just getting the scenes going because most people think when you think of porn, you think of these giant dicks because that's what it's made of. But remember that those are specialty people that are found around the country. That's not, not like a normal size. Um, so I would say though, generally they are larger. Um, they're thicker, they're longer. Um, 
you know, you normally they're cut unless you go up onto like the European side, then you have like the uncut males that are just super thick and big. Like it kind of depends where you're actually shooting Fournette and like kind of what their standard is. Okay. Wow. So now what about women? Is it required or suggested that these girls are altering the appearance of their vaginas? No, um, that is like common folklore that goes around in this industry. Everyone thinks that everyone's getting these platinum vagines put in. It's not some women though, you know, when they get them done, it's because, you know, they might be reading comments where someone's like, Oh, look at the lips of her vagina, or this is too puffy or this or this, that you're going to have trolls that are going to say horrible things about your body because, you know, they're sitting at home alone, bored and they're sad. So they're going to try to make you feel bad too. And, uh, so sometimes like the girls that generally start altering their appearances for the most part are either trying to become the ideal image they have in their head, or they're trying to fight against the trolls that they're reading because they do take things personally, even though you shouldn't, because people are going to say awful things no matter what you do. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, but it is, I do know several models who have had their vagina lips done. They've made them smaller. Um, you know, they've actually added fat to their vagina lips so that it's, you know, a little bit thicker, things like that. Um, but it's mainly, they did it just because it's, they liked it. Um, I only, they want, they did it for them. They, they weren't being told by the director to do it. Yeah. They wanted to do it for themselves. Yeah. The only, I know of one model, I'm not going to say her name, but she did actually have her nipples redone so that they were smaller because she, you know, was tired of reading these comments saying that, you know, she had large nipples and, um, you know, we told her you're beautiful. Like you don't need to change anything. And just because one out of a hundred people say they don't like it doesn't mean that their opinion matters. Um, but she did it anyways. And she's very happy with, you know, how they look now. So as long as she's confident and happy, then you know, that's the type of changes we support, but, you know, agents can give you recommendations of, you know, of like, okay, this is what's trending in the industry right now. If you want to trend, these are things we would suggest, but it's never required. That's good. That's really good to hear. So mm -hmm. we've talked about, you know, what is your preference, male directors or female directors? Um, you know, it sounds crazy. I prefer males. Um, females can sometimes, you know, as all of us do when we're having a long work day and we get frustrated with people. Generally, we are more um, open with our feelings to express exactly how we're feeling. So if it seems not going totally how they envision, sometimes they're a little more sassy or they get a little more upset. Whereas the males, at least the ones that I've worked with, you know, they don't want to upset you. So they almost slow down and you, I can tell when they're really trying to think through what they're saying to me. So they don't come off as overly frustrated because the last thing you want is for your model to shut down and not either stop performing or to look uncomfortable on camera because she's not comfortable in your presence. So I would say that the males are definitely a little bit more um, sensitive to the female models. Um, I would say they're a little bit tougher with the male models for sure. Um, but it's, it's kind of different. Like not every female is hard to work with. Some of them are awesome to work with. Um, you know, they're super fun. They're engaging. They keep things lighthearted. Um, you know, they almost see things in their mind as a, a movie. So like they'll act things out with you to explain, Hey, this is how I need you to move. And this is how I want you to touch his face to give off like a sensual feel instead of just like an awkward, like hand brush. So, um, it kind of, 
it kind of depends, but personally, I would definitely say I prefer working with male directors. And do you find that the men are, are that as um, artistic too? I'm sure, right? They, they all have that artistic side that they have certain things they want to see, like you just described the men um, too. They definitely do. Oh yeah. There's some incredible producers that, I mean, the, the way they have you do things, like it might not make sense at first. Whenever you see the final product, you're like, oh wow, like this totally makes so much sense. But then you also have the ones that for me, I'm really good at ad-libbing and I can come up with stuff as I go, where when I look at a script, if it's more than three pages, I'll email them back. And I'm like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I will try my best to remember this, but I probably won't. Right. Um, and so, but they know though, that with me, I'm able just to go on the fly and I can completely dive into the character that I need to be. And it's crazy. You almost forget there's a camera crew there. You're just acting out, you know, whatever the scene is. And so some directors are really cool about just letting you go and doing what you want to do. That's nice. Yeah. And it, it probably just makes it more real, right? Yes. Yeah. So going back to relationships, how often do the men dating porn stars want to date the star and then quickly get out of the relationship due to the jealousy that we talked about? And what is it truly like to date a porn star? Um. So I would say there's kind of a difference between being in it and being out of it. Um. Now, when you're in it, uh, you know, I was in a serious relationship, so I didn't really, I didn't date anyone else. And then for the last six months, you know, I would mess around with people, but I could tell that I was more of like a prized object to them. Like it would be like, a maybe once or a couple times kind of thing where we would just hook up. And cause I only wanted friends of benefits. I did not want a relationship for those final six months. Um, and there were definitely people who I could tell legitimately wanted to be with me. I just did not want that from anyone else. And then I, I knew when there were certain people that were like, Ooh, like I'm banging this porn star. Like it was a bragging, right. Um, and they, you know, I would always turn it to like, uh, hit it and quit it once kind of thing, because I was like, not really interested, like in people who act like that. Or if I felt, you know, we were having sex, if they would call me by my stage name or something that would kind of irk me because I'm like, you're not having sex with my staging. You're having sex with me. Um, and so if someone can't separate that, you know, I would then kind of mess with them and I'd be like, okay, so if you want the porn star interaction, I'll give it to you where then I would reach around. I'd grab at their buttholes and do things that make them uncomfortable and just watch them squirm and be like, isn't this what you wanted? I thought this is what you like. Um, wait, let me get my camera out. We got to film it too while we're at it. Like you want to pull your phone out? Um, I'm going to shove this in your butt. And then yeah. I want you to phone and look back at me seductively. And they're like, what? <laughs> um, that was so. a question that came in is did doing porn change your perception or relationship with sex outside of porn? Did um, you, you know, a little you know, bit. Like your sex drive and, you know. Um, honestly, I would say yes. So when I got into porn, you know, this was part of like my sexual exploration and I dove into it. I fell in love with it. I could have sex every day, all day long, four times a day, like didn't matter. Um, and then, you know, I would say though, that I would, I would having a hard time understanding why, you know, when boyfriend B and I got together and we would have sex, I was fine just doing it quick, doing it slow, like didn't matter. 
for him, it was very emotional. And I was having a hard time connecting with him on that piece because at the time it, it really wasn't a very emotional thing for me. Um, and I can see now, you know, why that relationship didn't work also on my end, because I was not meeting his emotional needs because for me, I was like, this sex should just be fun. Like, why are you trying to make it so serious? Whereas now that I'm getting married, um, this is the first person I would say since honestly, you know, my high school sweetheart and losing my virginity and having that connection. It's the first person I've actually had a true emotional connection with, uh, during sex and, and, you know, it had been about 10 years. So it definitely does change the way you think about it. Um, where it's still fun. It's great. And like, the thing is that when we go to have sex, my, at the time, like everything in my mind was, I'm just going to please you. And I'm going to make sure that you're happy. And then you're going to please me and make sure I'm happy. And outside of that, I, I didn't really understand what else there, there was to it. Um, and I could bust out different tricks or things that I've learned or stuff like that, because I can do many different things to you that I'm sure you've never experienced before. Um, and we would do that. And then my fiance, though, was probably the first person I was with who was like, let's slow things down and then would really try to like, just connect with me on a, a loving level while we were having sex. And then it now has become kind of our the way that we do have sex now is it's, it's a very sensual style. Um, it's very slow and it's honestly completely different than what I've had for the last 10 years. Meaningful and you love him. You know what I mean? That's the connection as you guys is it's the energy. And cause that was, you know, the one thing she asked is, are you finding that you want, you know, more of the romantic love making versus, you know, the porn style sex. Yeah. And it honestly, it just depends on the mood. Um, like there are certain times where, you know, we'll go out, we'll go party with our friends, come home and the door shuts and we look at each other and it's this like energetic, hardcore, crazy, you know, sex, like it's wild. Um, mm -hmm. and it reminds me my old days, I'll call them. Um, but then there's times where, you know, we'll wake up in the morning and just roll over and we talk about what our day is going to be like, and it just happens and it's sensual and it's sweet. and it's loving. And, you know, it's, we, we do these different things. Like we have quickies, we have, I mean, we've done public stuff. We've done, um, you know, I've definitely pulled him out of his comfort zone because for me, you know, I could go and streak through a golf course. I don't care. I have absolutely no shame in my game, but we're for him. He wouldn't do that. So sometimes I feel like I do have to tone down what I think is acceptable, um, or what I like, but for the most part though, like we found this really good balance, um, between the two. And so, um, it, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, it's getting more one or the other. Like, I, I guess I do kind of get both if that makes sense. Well, no, it, you guys have a very normal sex life. I mean, that's yeah. hopefully what when you, when you're married and you have a partner, you're, you're bringing all of it, right? You're, there's sometimes yeah. that you're making love and it's passionate. And there's other times that you want to do the crazy wild stuff. I mean, that's what keeps marriages alive. And that's, you know, it's you, you need that. It sounds like you guys have, like you said, you found the balance and what works. And obviously you have more tricks in your bag than most women stay at home moms or working parents that or working moms that don't obviously, but it's, you guys have a normal, healthy sexual relationship. Yeah. And my mom also told me something that I still do to this day. Uh, she's unfortunately has passed, but, um, 
she'd always told me that when it comes to sex and men, you want to bust out a new trick every year and then take away whatever that last year's trick was and you put it back in the cycle. So I have, I would say, you know, eight or nine very unique tricks and things that I'll do. Well, beginning of the calendar year, I start doing something new. He's very impressed by it. And I stop doing something old unless if, you know, it's something he really likes. I'll keep it up, but not as often. So I'm constantly reintroducing new things. And it honestly, by doing that, it keeps our sex life very healthy because after it's been too long and I feel like this is getting kind of boring, I'm going to bust out something new. And like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, and I feel like that's how I kind of help keep him satisfied too, because a lot of times what I have noticed, especially with the things that people tell me, um, I mean, I still get emails and messages and people find my social medias and, you know, sometimes they're sending me things of like, go to hell or other times they're saying, Hey, you know, I saw this video you did. How could I do something like that? I think my husband would like this. Um, I get stuff like that too. So you know, I'll lock them through different tricks. All of my female friends hit me up and are like, you know, how can, how can I deep throat? Because I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, everyone can deep throat. This is hell. Right. Um, you know, and so it's just tricks to help them do things. Um, but I think that like the biggest thing too, is just keeping things from getting stale. And at least between the two of us, um, because I'm more on the the crazy side of the spectrum where Jason's more in the middle. Um, it, it just kind of works that way. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, you have to keep it spiced up, right? You have to bring in new tricks and we just ordered a, I can't remember the name of it. It's, but it's, it's something that it's like a calendar and you, you scratch off the day and each thing is brings in something exciting. And, um, you know, it's, yeah. I, yes. There's lots of areas for that. Oh yeah. We actually have the Kama Sutra bucket list scratch off poster yeah. on the bedroom door. Uh, we have a black light over our bed. Um, which sounds crazy, but I'll tell you what, if you turn your lights off, turn on that black light, it is, the sex is pretty cool. Um, we also, because, you know, I love doing things in public. I love the risk of almost getting caught. Uh, my fiance, he doesn't. So, um, <laughs> yesterday, you know, I was working, he came in, he was all excited. He goes, I got something for you. And I was like, what did you get me? Um, and he got me this toy that is connects to an app on his phone so I can put it in and we can go out in public and he can play with me and no one knows. So I'm still within his comfort range, but I'm getting what I want. Oh my um, God. I saw that. I saw the, I saw the ad where she's yeah. skiing, right. Or she's snowboarding and he has control of it and she keeps falling down because he keeps buzzing her on the snowboard. Yep. That is it. The flamingo. Yeah. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. And so, you know, and he, he does these things. And what I think is really cool is because, you know, I don't ever have to worry. Like some, some women are really nervous. You know, you think, oh, cause there are guys who think, oh, well, cause you did porn means that I'm allowed to cheat on you because you know, oh my God. Why can't I <laughs> Oh my God. With, have no worries whatsoever. He literally, this man is so faithful and just leaves his phone out. Like there's no, there. um, but it's really cool. Just when I start seeing how much that he's trying to meet me halfway to make sure that I'm getting what I want. Um, so yeah, it's, I've, we'll do another podcast. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. I, I was just, I was totally just thinking, oh my God, this could finger out to so many different areas for us, but I want it. What I want to talk to you about is the female empowerment in the sex industry. What's what, Tell me about that. 
Yeah. So I'll put it like this. Just be totally blunt. A lot of these women, just to be honest with you, some do come from good families. A lot of them don't. A lot of them were like me. They're on their own. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to make in the world. You know, you came from high school, you're bullied. You have just mean people around you. Um, they find this as an outlet to better their life. And the ones that really dive in and look at, at this as a business venture instead of just a period of time to party, they absolutely soar. They make so much money. You create a name, a character, you own the rights to this name. Um, you know, a lot of them transition from shooting to OnlyFans because now all the money is coming from OnlyFans, not shooting, but you shoot in order to get more traction to your OnlyFans. Um, these women are not only making money on OnlyFans, they're creating businesses, they're buying homes, they're getting cars, um, they're standing Ooh. up and fighting things that are, you know, not okay because you now have a platform and a voice. Um, you know, we're very positive, we're, we're, we're very positive and we work towards really growing the me too movement. Um, we stand up for, you know, everyone of every race to have the same amount of rights as other people. Um, there's a lot of movements in the industry about completely, um, abolishing, you know, even the term IR or interracial, um, also at the time in order for a female to have sex, a white female to have sex with a uh, African-American male, um, because so did IR, she would get paid more because that is an African-American male than she would because than she would for a white male, because it's technically a, a type of niche. Well, the thing is though, models are like, that's wrong. Why would we get paid more money when these people are identical other than their skin color? So that's no longer a thing um, for most companies, I should say. There are some who are still, they need to transition and get with it um, or they will be left behind. But, um, you know, we do stuff like that. We work really hard with the Me Too movement because obviously, you know, some of these women do escorting. Some really scary stuff happens in escorting. And um, that's something I've, I never did just because uh escorting is untested unregulated i don't know these people and i'm scared of a lot of things right um, so i didn't do that but you know there are things that do happen obviously you know on set you could have a male talent or a female talent who comes in they just might not be a good person but those people to get called out really fast on these platforms they'll use them by name so and so did x y and z to me and this is wrong and it trends. It's kind of, it spreads like wildfire. Same with, um, uh, companies, companies do get called out if they make mistakes or if the model feels like they weren't treated correctly. Um, and same with producers. So that's why producers do get dropped by their companies if they don't treat models right. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. So that, that leads us to a, the, misconception that every porn star is sex hungry. Yes, that drives me absolutely insane. Um, just because I did porn does not mean I just want to put any penis in my mouth and just go crazy. It's not true. Um, they think that like, you know, we're all nymphos and the only thing we care about is acting like a whore and uh, showing our bodies and having sex with as many people as possible. Uh, no. So, um, 
what it is, is it depends on the person. Some models are truly looking for emotional connections in and outside of the industry. Um, some, some people do love having sex, but they're not just going to have sex with anyone. Like if, if some random guy comes up to you in a grocery store and is like, do you want to have sex with me in my car right now? No matter who you are, you're going to say no. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, we're open to express ourselves, but with the people we choose. So no one is sex hungry maniac and is just going to jump on any person. It's, it's literally one of the dumbest fake news stories I hear all the time, or I even get accused of, of, oh, you probably just, you know, like with creating female friends, I'm in a very happy, healthy relationship. But yet, even though I can show these things and you see them right in front of your face, you still think I'm so crazy hungry that I'm just going to bang everyone in this room. Um, so no, it's not true. Uh, even with the nymphos, you know, they still have standards and, and their own types and everyone can say no. And they do. Well, I would say the people that get razzed are the boyfriends too, right? Cause they're probably getting it from their, their friends and they're probably getting razzed that, you know, oh, you're dating her and that, you know what I mean? I, I would imagine they get razzed too, right? Yes, absolutely. Friends can be toxic and non-understanding at times. Um, you know, like for instance, with boyfriend B, uh, he was very sensitive over the fact that I had done porn because he was a very, um, uh, insecure man. Um, now keep in mind. So let's say you start dating someone, they're insecure, and then you end up at a party and your ex is there. Normally they're going to get kind of upset about it because they're insecure just by that person's presence. Well, now imagine that you can now Google and everyone, you know, can Google the person that you're with and their sexual ventures. That is really hard for them. And that kind of plays hand in hand with that because, you know, they will look at it and they're like, well, why would you do that? Like, we're, are you cock hungry? Or I've gotten that term before. Um, why, why would you want to do something like this? And my response is always, why do you want to be with me if I've done that? And this is so horrible for you. It's like, well, you're not doing it now. And I'm like, then why are you trying to, you know, make something of it? Yeah. Like, what, what do you want from me? What's the point of this? Like, I, I don't understand. You're trying to hide what you're saying behind different questions. Yeah. Um, so it's, yes, like you, you do, you do get that a lot from the guys. Generally, I will say that, you know, he definitely was getting fed into from his friends that were like, well, you know, what are you going to think when you're, when your kids see it? Well, that's just a conversation to have with them of like, well, mom did this. Mom's a great mom. And that's about it. Right. You know, going into graphic details with your kids of what you did, but yeah, if they find out, then so be it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about STDs then. I know that's a P for you. Yes. Okay. So this drives me insane because when I would first start dating guys, their friends would be like, well, what if she has an STD she, or she probably has one, blah, blah, blah. Actually, no, I shot for two and a half years. I never once got an STD. Not a single one, curable or uncurable. The thing is, though, uh, you can pick who you want to work with. So when I get on set, um, I believe in body checks. I ask people to show me everything. Bend over, spread your cheeks, let me look under your ball sack, and I look for bumps. And if I see any type of bump, even if you tell me it's razor burn, I will not shoot with you. 
And that was my role as trust no bump. Um, also on top of that in the industry, you have to be under a 14 day gold panel test from CET or talent testing in order to even perform with, you know, other, other people. Um, and this is just to make sure that, you know, nothing scary is jumping in. And if something were to happen, because, you know, let's be honest, some people do escort and they do get some scary stuff. Um, immediately the entire industry goes into a, a moratorium. And so even if you're in the middle of a scene and this happens, you basically have to put your hands up, totally separate from one another. The scene is over, even though it's someone that you've never even shot with. The entire industry comes to a screeching halt until that person who came up positive for either AIDS or syphilis or something that's non-curable um, until they get retested. If it comes up negative, they test them two more times to make sure it's for sure it was a false positive. If they do come up positive again, then everyone they've shot with since their last clean test has to get tested. They get tested multiple times and then it trickles out if any of them come up positive. Um, and so it's, it's extremely regulated and you are not allowed to shoot whatsoever while this happens. And these can either take a day. Sometimes they can take months. What do you mean the whole industry shuts down? The entire mainstream industry stops. All shooting stops, um, no matter what the set is. So basically there's this coalition that is in charge of all of it. They call everyone. It's an automated call. As soon as you get that call, you stop. And every not producer, in your, not, not just in one production company, we're talking all production companies in the United States. Yes. That are within the mainstream. Within that um, mainstream. We're talking yes. how many, how many of those are there? Well, so you have mainstream, you have some of your like sub companies that are just smaller. Um, they're not really with mainstream. And then you have like the gay side. Um, so unfortunately, um, gay and mainstream are completely different industries. Um, there are people like guys who will sometimes come over to mainstream. They're called crossovers. Hmm. Um, but you are not allowed to do both at the same time because it's a different risk of STDs and spreading certain things because on the gay side, they have more of a risk for AIDS. Whereas on the mainstream side, they actually run a bigger risk for syphilis. And so, um, in order to keep these, you know, it's, it's kind of how they keep things at bay. Um, basically in order for a crossover to come to mainstream, he has to do all these different tests. It takes about a year. Like he can't do any gay stuff, um, like on the gay side, just to make sure that, you know, they, they retest, retest, retest. Okay. Um, and uh, that's just how it is. Even with, you know, for instance, sometimes they'll use models who do go over to the gay side um, and will sometimes do like some really cool scenes where it's like a boy, boy, girl, and all three of them touch each other, which is awesome because on the mainstream side, it's like the guys stay as far away from each other as they can if they're sharing a girl. And it's just, it's, it's weird, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but on, when you go over to the gay side of things, everyone's touching each other. It's literally like a fun party. Um, but those girls have to be super tested and it takes a minute for them to be able to go over there and do those scenes. Wow. Um, that's so they protect both industries. So that leads us to the stereotype of what porn companies really are and how they actually treat their models. Um, yeah. So obviously you're going to have your good ones. You're going to have your bad ones, but the average is pretty decent. So on set, um, you know, you get a safety word, you go through everything to make sure you're comfortable. Um, sometimes they provide wardrobe. Sometimes they ask you to bring just some really simple items. 
Um, they provide you with douches, food, water, breaks, things like that. They're here to help you. Um, you know, I was even on set where I actually had a vaginal tear. Um, and we were shooting the scene outside. We were almost done. We probably had about 10 minutes left of sex and they were going to call it. And they're like, you know, we're so sorry. We'll get you to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And I asked if the terror was that noticeable. And they said from one particular angle, yes. And you know, it hurt like hell, but I said, you know what, let's just finish it. I'm going to suck it up. And when I look to the right, that means don't put my face on camera because I'm going to be wincing, but I want to finish the scene because we've gotten this far. Um, and you know, they'll verify you're okay with it. And if you are, they'll run it, but they don't have an issue with calling it. If, if something were to go awry, um, also too, let's say they book you for a day and you're supposed to come in and your co-talent misses their flight and they can't get anyone else in. They pay you a kill fee because you know, they wasted your time. You could have went and shot somewhere else that day. Right. Um, yeah, no, and they're, they're pretty different. Every company is different. Some company gives you swag and clothes to take home. Some just kind of give you the bare minimum. It just really depends on the scene, who the producer is and who the company is. Right. Wow. But I have not had any issues ever in my two and a half years outside of one person who was not mainstream. Um, ever on set. Everyone made me feel comfortable. Even when I was on set where this one male was acting like a little diva, um, the producer pulled me aside and is like, Hey, I understand, you know, this guy's frustrating. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you want me to call the scene so you don't have to? And I was like, no, I was like, he's just, he's being rude. Let him be rude. This is a scene where I'm going to peg him. So I, I will handle it myself. Thank you. <laughs> um, so things like that. But then, you know, I had one scene where um, he was a brand new site. So he was able to provide all of his credentials to my agent. Um, and he was not real. So he developed an entire site, paid all this money just so he could try to sleep with his favorite stars in the industry. Well, he picks me up. Um, I get in the car and I was messaging my agent. And I was like, you know, like our our set is like four hours away. And she's like, okay. She goes to his driver, get you. And I go, he did. And she's like, okay. Um, keep me posted when you get there. All right. And I was like, we'll do. So I get there. Um, we got to, I think it was called Prismo beach. Um, and so we, uh, we get in the room and I was like, okay, where's my room? And he goes, Oh, we'll be sharing a room. And I was like, there's one bed. And he's like, yeah, because sometimes the producer is also the male talent for certain types of POV scenes. So that's something normal that I was used to, but I was like, but I've never had to share a bed with someone. So I was like, you know, I'm not really comfortable doing that. And so he said that, okay, after the scene, he'll see about getting me my own room. And I said, great, no problem then. Um, we started doing some of our scene. I realized his camera equipment was not high tech. It was like handy cam kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, you know, this is weird. And I started messaging my agent. And so she's like, she goes, what do you mean? So I was sending her pictures and she goes, okay, that's, that's pretty weird. She, um, we have this driver and she goes, I'm going to, I'm going to call him and see if he's available. Like keep me posted. And I was like, okay. So about 30 minutes goes by and this director's talking to me, you know, we had done two parts of the scene. I was feeling kind of weird and something seemed really off with me. And then, um, you know, he's pulling stuff out and I was like, what is this dress for? Like, I, I don't see anything in our script where, I'm going to be wearing a dress. And it, it was a very nice, like a long gown. And he goes, um, Oh, he goes, well, tomorrow on the way back, you're coming with me to a wedding. And I was like, 
what? And he's like, yeah, you're going to come with me to my friend's wedding as my date. And I was like, uh, no, I was like, I am not an escort. I was like, that's not what I'm here to do. I was like, I, I was like, I do videos. I'm, I'm not a wedding date. And he's like, well, he's like, I'm your ride back. So you have to do this. And I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Um, so I started messaging my agent. I was like, he's now taking me to a wedding tomorrow. And she goes, Oh my God, I'm sending the driver. And she stayed up till three in the morning to make sure that I was able to get into the car and I was able to wait. Um, she immediately blacklisted him and in the industry, if we have someone who comes in and does something like that, um, companies let other companies know, um, agencies let other agencies know models, let other models know of like this guy is, or this person, sometimes it's women, um, is trying to, you know, get in the industry and cause problems. Um, so we handle it that way. Um, but she made sure that I was okay. I was taken care of and I got out of there safely. And then she flagged him, let other agencies know, and completely blacklisted him from our agency entirely. Oh my God. That's terrifying. It's scary, but it's one of those things where like, I think it also teaches you, you have to stay calm and you just start making plans on the back end, um, to get out of it. Yeah, you handled it very well. Oh, yeah. I played it off as everything was good. And I was like, you know, I'm really hungry. And I wouldn't leave the restaurant in this hotel. And I was like, no, I just want to stay here. And he's like, well, we should go upstairs. I was like, no, I think I'm going to wait. I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't feel upstairs yet. And he's like, we have to finish the scene. I was like, "Mm, do we? So then I just stayed in public area. And once our driver got there, uh, we went back up to the room, got my stuff, and we left. Nice. So... A question that came in is, do porn stars really enjoy doing the act or is it solely for our viewing pleasure? Um, So it kind of depends. Most of the time, um, when when you do it, like you have a yes and no list. If you if it's something you really don't like doing, you're not going to do it. Uh, Or, you know, you might agree to it for a higher rate. But on average, most of the stuff they're doing are things that they love. Um, or they liked. So for me, um, you know, I'm very in tune with my comfort zone and what I like and what I do not like. So I don't do things I don't like. So everything I've done on set, I was really into, or I was curious about trying. Um, whereas, you know, I do know girls who will come in and they're like, ah, like, for instance, like they don't like shooting on their period. There's ways around shooting on a period where no one knows. Um, but sometimes they'll do it and though they don't. Um, it, it just kind of depends. Makes sense. I mean, we're human, right? We love pleasure. Yes. Um, but I would say like, I have come across some girls that don't like to do certain things, but they do it. Like for instance, doing girl, girl stuff. Not every female is sexually into other females. Right. So, um, you know, you can kind of tell, we call it the quote unquote gay for pay. Um, you can tell who's authentically into women and who's not like there's certain the way, like, for instance, a girl will eat you out is the dead indicator of, is she enjoying herself or does she think you're gross? And she just get through this scene. Got it. Right. But yeah, that's that not I really run. I've ever run into. So you've been out of, you, you did the shooting for two and a half years you've been out and now you've transitioned from acting to now being behind the scenes, right? Yes. So I have done about that. 
Um, so I work for Nubile Films. Um, I absolutely love them. They're like family. Um, this company, you know, every company is going to have bad raps out there, but I can tell you that this company authentically cares about not only their staff, but uh, the models. We care a lot about, are they happy? What's going on on set? Um, we're always trying to fix any issues that come up, correcting the crew, things like that. Um, and I love it. It's, it's honestly my second home and it's the only workspace I've ever been a part of where I feel so comfortable just being myself and they appreciate me in the way that I think. Um, I've done everything from, you know, I help write scripts. Um, I've helped direct on set. Um, I love making sure that these, you know, talents that they look and feel beautiful, and that everything that goes up online is 100% what I would want someone to see of me. So there are times where I popped in on set just to make sure everything's cool. Everyone's happy. They're, you know, hitting certain stuff correctly. Um, it's It's been great. Um, I also, you know, I've done management stuff for them. Um, I help them with their marketing now. Um, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you you never truly leave. And, and also, it's, do you really want to? Um, so I do that with new Biles, and then also, um, I work with Hussey models. Um, so I am their head recruiter. So every single model at the intake comes through me. And the reason that I do that is because, um, I'm really good at vetting out if models are going to do well or not. And that's not just based off looks, it's based off attitude. Because for me and being in the industry, I've seen what have made, you know, certain women just completely crumble under pressure. And so I look for those characteristics in women just to say, hey, you know what, if you're the type of person where that one negative comment out of 100 completely affects you, this is not for you. And we have turned away very, very beautiful people that, I mean, they would absolutely do crazy well because mentally, uh, we don't think they could handle it or mm -hmm. the pressure. And the last thing you would want, God forbid, is for someone to hurt themselves, um, to, you know, end up experiencing extreme like mental distress over what's going on, because like that, that's not what the industry is about. And we want to make sure everyone's empowered. And by doing so, I'm able to tell people, hey, this is for you, or I'm really sorry, but you need to find a, a different option because I, I don't think you should do this. Right. And I've yeah. had women come back and say, Hey, you know what? Like three, four five months later after they've spoken to me and they're like, you know what? Thank you so much for deterring me away from this. I now did this, um, blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much. And I'm like, absolutely happy to help. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's, it's awesome, right? You're not just taking anybody. You're, you're truly, like you said, you're truly caring for their mental health. Yes. And that's also why, you know, Hussy models, they were not my agent when I was in the industry and there's nothing wrong with OC modeling, but when it came to Hussey models, I worked with every single agency while I worked for new Biles. Um, and I got to know everyone and develop different types of relationships with people. Um, and with Riley, something that really stood out to me is that his models, he takes care of them. Um, he worries about them. It's not so much about like him trying to get paid. Like I constantly have to get on him because I'm like, Hey, we just got this new model in and she hasn't even shot yet. Why did you just give her money for rent? And he goes, Oh, well, because she's on her period. She can't start for three weeks and her rent's due. And I was like, well, we don't even know if this girl's going to show up yet. And he's like, well, I have faith. Like he's constantly doing things like that, giving loans, giving advice, trying to help people. Um, 
it, it's it's incredible and it's it's honestly very unique um also his models are really happy with him and so i was like you know what he ended up having um his head recruiter step down and you know decide he was going to start family planning and stuff and he asked if i would help i said i'd do it for a couple months and i've been here for three years um and it, it's a very rewarding job and it, it's a really awesome agency to be a part of so where do you see the you know, the production side of the industry going with Pornhub being, you know, the most trafficked, you know, the large, one of the largest websites, you know, and it's such cheap, easy access. Yes. So fun fact on Pornhub, a lot of these videos you see that you think are ripped from sites, they're actually specifically made to videos that as companies we create and we put on there to drive traffic to our sites. We also get paid on views. So, um, yes, you are watching some free porn, but that 30 minute video is only a third of the actual video that we have on our site. Um, so it's kind of tricky. Um, the only thing I would say it's that side's very regulated. Now, the part that's not regulated is the community side, which is where Pornhub is running into a lot of problems, um, of, you know, people. Is that, where that, is that where that documentary that I watched came in? Yes, that is. Okay. Very- community also it's you know revenge porn there are some pretty serious things out there that do happen to people um and so you know they are will i say it's 100 percent yet no there's always room for improvement but they are actively and constantly working on trying to better the system and fix it um some people think it's just because of credit card processing or this or that it's it's not it's coming down to an ethical way of trying to fix this with a platform so big. Mm-hmm. And so as of that though, with the community section becoming so popular is kind of how I feel like the industry transition into only fans, which is where models are now in control of their own content and you know what they put out there and how they write things. They make their own scripts um, and they market themselves. So I kind of think the community really opened up that scope or that scope over into OnlyFans, which is truly where the industry is transitioning into. And then, and I like it too. I like that, that one is the women have the control of being in the privacy of their own home and calling the shots and doing right. I I just, when, when they were demonizing, you know, the, the documentary gave good, good and bad, right. I think they did a fair job at balancing that out. But I think where like the OnlyFans and the, where the, you know, these, these women that are making a living doing this, what I really liked about it is that they do have the control to, you know, do their own producing and their own video and um, make their own paycheck. And they're not obligated to um, have to go out and find the job. I think that they're, Hopefully, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people like the more scripted stuff and I don't even know if that's still, you know, more of the story-based porn and then like what you guys do, but I do like that there are platforms for women to go and do call the shots. Oh, absolutely. And so where it kind of depends personal preference. Um, so What I do, for instance, I would say people who want to watch the high end, you know, 4K type of videos, they're going to stay with um, 
what do you call it? You know, they're going to say more mainstream porn. If you want to see something very high end looking, go for that. But now if you want to see more of that cell phone shot footage where it feels more real, you're going to go to OnlyFans. And then mm-hmm. if you want to watch something live, you're going to cam. Um, so it kind of depends on preference, but definitely though, because there are a lot of, um, you know, viewing members who specifically look for models, they're going to transition over to their OnlyFans. So right now, what a lot of these companies are doing is actually buying content from OnlyFans models to make their own versions of websites that are shot from cell phone footage from these specific people. So you can see where the industry is starting to change and starting to diversify, but, um, I'm not hundred percent sure where it's going to go because this is a very brand new thing to the industry before, you know, the girls were kind of at the mercy of shooting companies. Now the shooting companies are at the mercy of the models. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's it, but it's good. Oh, absolutely. In a way. I mean, right. Cause I mean, sometimes I get, I guess what it's going to open up is more, um, power for the models, but it's also going to be, uh, more selective. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I see it being a good change for the industry and they're going to pivot, right? These, the, the larger companies and stuff, they'll pivot and they'll be creative and survive somehow. God knows what's going to come up. Right. Yeah. You never know. I mean, you know, people are developing new apps every day, new sites, things like that. Um, all it takes is one big change and it's everything will shift again. Um, OnlyFans definitely came in really fast, hit super hard during COVID. You know, a lot of people jumped into it and started it. I mean, you would be surprised how many of your neighbors, friends, people like that have secret OnlyFans. Um, even for me, when I was in high school, you know, I was definitely, I was quiet. I was bullied a lot, even though I was a cheerleader. Um, I I didn't hang out with the cheerleaders, you know, they just weren't my kind of people. Um, and, uh, a lot of, you know, when I started in porn right away, uh, they were posting my stuff online. Like a lot of these mean girls were posted on Facebook and in our high school group and things like that. Um, those same people came back to me in 2020 and were like, Hey, you know, I have an OnlyFans. How do I market this? How do I do this? How could I grow that? And I was like, ah, I see the tables have turned. Welcome yeah, home. Right. Oh, um, yeah, but I, I'm curious because I don't even know where this is going to go because OnlyFans is so new, but I'm thinking though that it's just going to pretty much create a new style of shooting and it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. They're going to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, we didn't talk, go ahead. Say, I will say this though. A lot of these women who are really killing it on OnlyFans, they're actually starting their own production companies and shooting their own high-end porn that they sell on their OnlyFans. And it's really cool to see the transition from going from cell phone to these women, not only writing their own scripts, they're directing it, they're starring in it too with other models. It's it's really, really cool to see. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, the one thing I wanted to talk to you about is the death threats. You've said you've gotten death threats and you've had, let's talk about that. So, um, because, you know, I shot with a lot of African-American men, um, I had no idea how many truly racist people are all over the internet? I had Twitter accounts with, you know, the triple K's 
stuff all over it. Um, send me pictures of my face with shooting targets on it, calling me these horrible names, saying that I'm sinning because I'm with, you know, African American men and women. Um, you know, or I, you know, these really, really religious groups or peoples telling me that, you know, I'm going to hell and that uh, I'm ruining the lives of children and I'm, uh, I'm promoting pedophile, just crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and you know, that's something that like, it, it went on for years. Um, and I would always just get these messages. Um, and to this day, I still get them, um, on Facebook. Uh, if I go into like my Instagram DMS, um, there is, there's a lot of stuff that comes through. And then, you know, then you get your fans that are like, Oh my gosh, I just found you. Um, things like that. But there is still some really serious negative context that come with it. And then obviously if you come across one of those like women hating men, um, they feed off of it. They'll, they'll just go to town on you. So it's so funny that you said that the religious groups are the ones that are attacking you. It's like, what are you guys, what's happening? You know what I mean? It's like, okay. So that means you guys are watching porn. Yes. <laughs> Such. Yeah. They kind of contradict themselves quite a bit. Um, you know, I, some people get offended when they get messages from people that are like, oh, um, you know, we want to help you with Christ and make you feel better or, you know, help you be a better person. I love those messages because to be honest, you know, they're trying to help me. Um, they think that by reaching out, they're doing something good for me. And I love that. And I appreciate that about them. Um, those messages, I don't ever take to heart because, I do believe in God. Um, and I do believe that I'm a good person and you're just trying to be nice. It's the ones that reach out and just, I mean, in an attacking way, those ones I can't stand. Yeah. So you think, so they're, they're literally, some of them are good intentions, right? They're coming in with good intentions, but others, do you think they're hiding behind the church names and stuff when they're attacked? Cause I've heard of those too, that they create these fake, um, religious sites and they go on and they attack people. Um, yes. So they, they can, um, you know, I, you can kind of tell if it's someone who knows what they're doing or if it's someone just trying to be rude. Um, sometimes they make memes about you, um, which is fine. You know, I, I have very thick skin. So what all these people said, it never affected me. It's why I never changed my body, never changed the way I look. Um, to be honest, like I love going out and shooting. So there's people who would send me pictures of my face with a target on, we would use it and we'd shoot at it. And then I would send pictures back of me holding it, smiling. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, you, you can kind of tell like, oh, also there's going to be people who, you know, in your personal life who will make these accounts to harass you. That was the biggest eye opener for me where I had ex-boyfriends do things like that. I had current girlfriends make accounts to harass me and call me a whore and say, oh, you're bang all your friends, boyfriends, and then come to find this actually happened to me. I went on a Vegas trip with someone and she left her phone out and she asked me to grab it. She was in the shower. And as I grabbed it, what was open was the Twitter, her Twitter account. And I saw the name, like the picture. And I was like, oh my God, I know this Twitter account. And in my mind at first, I was like, why are you on this person's account? And then I realized that was her account. And I was like, no way. So just from basically walking 20 steps, I realized that my, what I thought was best friend was actually 
one of my biggest like harassment people that I was dealing with on Twitter. Oh my God. God. Wow. Unbelievable. Oh yeah. Okay. So another question. Someone uh, wrote in, have you ever ran into the, an issue with the sex, any sex traffic girls? So, um, one of the things that we do on set is we are trained to look for women who are being trafficked. Um, I have never performed with anyone who's being trafficked, but what we do is we pay attention to who's dropping them off. Um, are they comfortable? Are they safe? We ask questions on set just to verify that, you know, you want to be here. You're okay. You're here because you specifically chose to be on the set and do these type of acts. Um, now if it's something, um, where, you know, a model is uncomfortable or we start sensing things are off. Um, the director will pull them aside and will actually ask them, you know, are you okay? Do you feel safe? We can call someone and help you. Uh, we will make sure that, you know, you're, you're going to be protected. Like we're not going to send you basically outside with that person again. Right. Uh, we'll call the make sure everything's good. Um, you know, we, we definitely do things like that. And it's, it's not very common. I would say more so this happens in other countries. Um, but in the U S unfortunately, you know, there are going to be some, but they're not really in mainstream. They're generally in the smaller sites. Okay. Mainstream is very, very, very sensitive about who we're shooting and that you're safe and comfortable. Right. Good. So you guys do, you know, like you said, you guys have, you're trained to have an eye for certain things. And then did you say that there was questions that you ask? If only if you're, um, does all the girl or all the models get the questions? Or is that only if you guys think there's something sketchy going on? No, there's only if they think there's something sketchy. Okay. Because um, you can tell models, like when they come in, either they're too cool for school and they're on their phone or they're little chatty Cathy's. But if it's one that's looking around and seems nervous or something, intimidated, yeah. off, yes, those ones we immediately reach out to and, and we do it in settings so that they don't feel pressure with other people around. Um, sometimes we find out, you know, they just suffered a loss in their family or, Maybe their dad just found out that they're doing porn and they're currently on set. Um, so usually it's, thank God it's, it's not what we thought it was, but it's still something that we pay very close attention to because the number one importance is age and consent. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I found interesting on that documentary was the amount of people, one, because I think they were, I, I believe it was in a different country these people that are hired to um, look over these videos that are coming in, right? They were like, I don't even remember the amount of videos they were required to look at within an, a work shift, which is probably more than eight hours in, an, in another country. But, you know, they were saying that they would put these videos on mute and fast forward on, you know, three or whatever. And, um, they were missing out on, you know, they would put notes in that they would say, you know, girl looks underage or whatever. And, um, someone would go in and do a deeper dive, but you know, what they were missing is they were missing like girls crying and screaming and, you know, cause they were muting these videos. And I know that it's hard. It's hard to, um, when you have, like you said, that community of Pornhub, you know, I, I believe that they added that 
you know, now, now you have to be validated, right? You have to get, do your driver's license and they, that they, they refuse to do that until, you know, I, I believe the credit card processors pulled it. So then they were, now they're verifying, but still, like you said, you can be verified and have an ex-boyfriend put up a private video of you guys and run with it until it gets taken down. But it's crazy with the amount of sex trafficking. I mean, Arizona is high. And I just was told that Arizona is one of the um, largest porn producing states. Yes, we are. We are up there. California and Florida definitely surpass us. Um, but we are definitely encroaching up to Vegas as well. Wow, that's crazy. So wrapping this up, can you believe we've been chatting? We could, you and I can talk forever. That's what's bad about us. But um, how can we, the listeners today live and on the replay, how can we create a positive change for the industry, for the women in the industry? Um, I think the biggest thing is you have to remember that we're people. Uh, we have feelings and emotions and we have our own reasons for doing things. Um, I'm sure everyone's done something in their life that, you know, they probably wouldn't want someone else to know. And that's for your own reason and your own insecurity or security. And that's okay. But I would say it's just to show kindness. Um, and also to understand that like you, this may not be a way where you yourself would feel empowered, but for some of us, it makes us feel open, proud, and like we're hundred percent being who we authentically are. Um, and you know, just accepting that it doesn't mean you have to like us. doesn't even mean you have to think about us or watch us just be okay with us. Right. We're all human. We're all doing our thing and it's being respectful and kind. And yeah. The one thing I was thinking is because I keep saying porn stars, right? Oh my God, the porn star porn. What is, I mean, is that what you guys are still, and then you say models. So what, um, what to are be the women honest, liking to be? Uh, we prefer models. Um, okay. you know, generally you're a porn girl until you've shot for a year. And then after that, you more so turn into a porn star. Um, the average life of a model is about six months that they're shooting. Um, not all of them make it very long. Wow. Um, Either they don't want to, they get boyfriends, they decide to start having a family, um, or they just, you know, you just don't feel like doing it. It is not for everyone. Um, but, you know, I, I call them models and I just think it's, you know, because that's what they're doing. It's just a different style of modeling. Um, right. Because some of them, you know, they also do print work. They do other things. And I think that's awesome. So... Um, I would say call the models. Um, also, if you have a friend who is a porn star and you know, you, you know them very well, when you introduce them, you don't have to say, Oh, this is my friend. So-and-so she's a porn star. Right. Uh, no, if that's your friend, then you should honestly know who they are as a person outside of that. So if you can't describe your friend, um, outside of the word porn star, are you truly their friend? That's one thing that's just driving me crazy anyway, is people and their damn titles, right? It's like, who cares what we do? This is, this is Janine, right? I, this is, you know, it's like, who cares what we do? It's get, drop the title. It, it's so everyone just seems not everybody, but when you're so consumed about what people do, well, and it's, it's, it's creating conversation. I get it. But exactly. If they're having to introduce you as what your job title is, it's like, 
yeah, what is the connection of our friendship and where is this going? But I do get that there are certain situations where, right, they they want to know your what you do. But yeah, absolutely. Why are you throwing that right out of the gate? So if, yeah. so that so for us to change or you know to just be mindful and kind. But if there was one thing that you could do to change the industry for women, what would it be? Um, honestly, I would love to have a place where models can honestly speak their own truths because everything's made up for us because we play characters and, you know, as a model, when you create a name for yourself, you're almost creating a new persona. Like they're very different people from what I've noticed, like who I was on set and who I was in real person was not the same. Um, and I, I wish women could just speak their truth. It's kind of like, did you just see how Paris Hilton, um, did a talk show and she's like, this is my real voice. I was playing a character for this long for blah, blah, blah. It's one of those things where like, I, I wish there was an outlet for women to just not, not being character, not be their stage name to just be themselves. And just to say, yep, this is how my day was. This is what I did. I don't wake up feeling sexy. I wake up. I look like a mess. I shower, go to the gym. Like we're just normal people. So I think that if they were giving a platform to truly be themselves, where you could just see who they actually are, it would change the industry so much. And I think a lot of these perceptions would disappear. Right. When I hear you and I hear what you're saying in the industry, but I see that with just everybody now, I think that people are just, they, they're pretending everybody's going through life, pretending that they're happy, pretending that there's someone they're not. And I think that's the social media gigs, right? That they, you know, I, I just wish in life, in, in, in the industry that you're in and that, you know, but that's just in general is just be real, be honest. And I think that it, it goes so much farther in life. When you are real, you're honest, people are going to love you for who you are, or they're not. Like you said, you don't have to like me. You don't have to like what I do unfollow un you know? Yeah. But it, I just think it's everybody in general is just really missing that. And that's great information. And thank you. Cause that's a yeah. great way to end. No, it was, it was very nice to actually get to explain my point of view. Um, I have been asked before to do podcasts or documentaries, but the thing is, it's always in a negative uh, connotation of porn. And for me, I'm like, it's not as bad as you would think. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to actually speak my truth. Oh, yes. I am so glad you said yes. And that, um, yeah, we are able to shine a light on it and that these women are beautiful and they're out doing, you know, they're out making a living and they're out feeding their families and they're out supporting, you know, and they're 99% of them would not be doing this and unless they wanted it and we have to support them it just because it may not be what other people think people should be doing stay in your own lane right it's none of your business it's none of your business you treat people with respect and kindness and your day gets better but i love you thank you so much and um you're you're gonna get a phone call after we end because i i have some I have a girl that's brought out a lot of stuff that is like, oh, we could do a lot more. So I'm excited to keep in touch with you. Congratulations on the wedding. 
Yes, thank you so much. I'm very excited. Um, I look forward to your call. And if you guys want me back or you want to learn a little bit about the laws of attraction of men or any of these fun little quirky things, just let me know. Yeah, I think it would be fun to get the the ladies are saying thank you. What an awesome conversation. Um, yeah, we'll we'll dive in deeper and we'll maybe get some ideas on um yeah. I, my my brain is spinning, but thank you. I love you. Everybody, thanks for joining us live. Have a great afternoon and we will chat soon. Bye-bye. Awesome. Bye. If you liked this session today, be sure to register to join us live in the moment. For an updated schedule of events and upcoming guests, be sure to head over to JanineRotter.com and check out the events page or find me on my Instagram at my handle in the moment underscore live. I can't wait to see you in the moment.